Hey, hey, welcome to Priority Talk Radio on WXJC. I am your host, Nate Williams. It's so glad to hang out. I'm so happy to hang out with y'all tonight. Uh, I'm here with uh, Stuart. Greg Davis is out. He's out traveling, and so it's us tonight. And we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Make sure y'all check out our website, our app. Make sure you uh, check out our podcast if you miss some of the conversation. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. It's Wednesday, and a lot of y'all are heading home from work or heading to church, and uh, it's really exciting. It is really a good time. Now, when I woke up, you know, it was a little cloudy out there, and uh, I hadn't seen a cloudy day in a long time. And then there was this strange liquid falling from the sky. I think it was water. And I remembered that there was this thing called rain that used to happen. Maybe back in 1985. I don't know the last time it rained. But it's been a while. So that was wonderful to to see. And uh, yeah, that, that was great. But anyways, good to... I think it's... Uh, going to be in the 70s, give or take, this next week, and then uh, it's going down to the 60s, so it's getting cooler. But anyways, uh, speaking of the weather, that brings us to the beginning of our topics for tonight. And so uh, we have Hurricane Ian really hit Florida pretty hard, and uh, let's see, in the news, uh, 1819 News came out with a good article on it, and I thought, you know what? This is a good topic to start with. And so on 1819 News, Erica Thomas has this article. It says, uh, Alabama's climatologist says hurricane data shows different story despite fear-mongering climate change agenda. And so as I was reading this article, I thought it makes several good points. And y'all know what happens with the mainstream media oftentimes. When there is a massive hurricane, when there is a massive uh, storm of any sort, it automatically gets you know, blamed with uh, climate change. Climate change is the reason. And uh, the earth is getting warmer, this, that, the other. They don't call it global warming anymore. They call it climate change. And so that's a little bit of a rhetoric shift. And I think climate change is a larger umbrella. So even when it gets cooler, you can say, oh, the climate's changing. When it gets warmer, oh, the climate is still you guessed it, changing. And so that's kind of the term that's being used now. It kind of, I guess, covers more ground, is more effective. So climate change. And so uh, when we got Hurricane Ian, and again, thoughts and prayers go out to Florida, you know, we probably know lots of people that were affected in, in the state of Florida. So we definitely want to uh, help any way that we can. And so, uh, yeah, when that happened, the mainstream media predictably said, oh, climate change, that's the reason why there are more hurricanes, they happen more frequently, they're stronger, more devastating, this, that, and the other, and uh, yeah, so it's it's humanity's fault, it's people's fault, and then naturally what happens next is policy. Well, because the weather, excuse me, the climate is getting worse... Because the climate is getting worse, well, then we have to institute this policy, we have to ban this kind of car, gas, oil, fracking, whatever it might be, and then on and on and on, you get to the policy side of things. And so climate change is often the, the way to get to those other things that 
certain political parts of our country really want to get to. Well, uh, the state climatologist, let me see if I can pronounce that correctly, climatologist, there we go, Dr. John R. Christie has been a professor for 25 years at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. So uh, yeah, he has testified about climate change at 20 congressional hearings, studied the facts, and revealed the truth about climate change. And so uh, one thing you'll often hear climate scientists talking about is you can't go off of one singular weather event and blame it on climate change. So if you're thinking of a graph, every time there's a storm, a tornado, a hurricane, whatever it might be, that is one data point, just one on a graph. And so you can't link climate change with any one event because climate is weather over time weather over time. And so you can't take Hurricane Ian, for instance, and then blame it on global cooling, global warming. You, you just can't do that. That's not right. You have to measure it over time and have lots of data points. And so the mainstream media conveniently does not do that and then just wants to blame everything on climate change. So that's one thing we want to know. Uh, the second thing we want to know is uh, hurricanes, according to Dr. John R. Christie, they're not they're not getting more frequent uh they're not getting more frequent they're not happening a lot more and you know sometimes uh says christy it's just a part of uh, the natural change over time the number of storms go up and down up and down and turn so in terms of humans affecting the climate no, there's no evidence of that in the hurricanes and tornadoes. Uh, but despite several reports that we are experiencing more storms now than ever before, that's not true, according to Christie's report in 2021. And so the mainstream media is going to talk about the frequency of hurricanes. Oh, they're happening so much more. They're not. It's just a part of the hype machine that then gets to the other part of politics, which is I'm now going to use this for my, my agenda to, to ban certain products, oil, gas, whatever it might be. And so it's, it, you use climate change to get to that other part of the goal. And so, uh, yeah, hurricanes are not happening more frequently. Uh, what about, uh, what, what's the other one? Oh, yeah, what about uh, hurricanes getting stronger? What about hurricanes causing more damage and, and just being more destructive? Well, uh, Christie says that's also not true. Hurricanes have been hurricanes. And so what happens is this is a common effect when, when you have uh, civilizations that develop. What happens is the, the hurricanes don't get worse. The hurricanes don't get more destructive. You just have more people and more infrastructure. So when a hurricane does happen, there's more damage. And you hear about it because, again, remember with social media, cameras, videos, pictures, uh, the, our ability to travel anywhere, uh, now all of a sudden everyone's aware of these things at a much higher rate than, than what it used to be. And so you have more news about it, more video, more uh, evidence of destruction because buildings falling over and houses floating away, that it seems like hurricanes are getting worse. 
but that's not true. They're the same hurricanes, but just with more people, more infrastructure, uh, I guess, collapsing, falling apart, it seems that way, but it's not. You know, an example of this is uh, imagine an island with five people on it. A hurricane hits that island and, uh, you know, causes some damage, but, you know, five people's not that many. Now, imagine, let's say, 200 years later, instead of five people, you have 5,000 people. Uh, a hurricane of a similar size hits that same island. Well, all of a sudden, with 5,000 people on that island, the hurricane has become so much more destructive, right? It's, it's gotten so much worse. No, it's just more people are there. There's more stuff to get knocked down and moved, and so the hurricane hasn't changed, but the damage it causes can change. And so we want to make sure to pump the brakes on some of these things. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to, and we'll talk about this on the other side of the break, but that doesn't mean we don't want to take care of nature. We don't want to do the right things because God has placed us on earth to uh, take care of his creation. So we want to be good stewards. We want to uh, take care of nature. And I'm all for that. But what we don't want is panic. We don't want to exaggerate. We don't want to uh, use the climate for our own agenda when, you know, it hasn't really changed. In fact, another part of this 1819 News article, let's see if I can find it. Uh, let's see. Uh, we are getting smarter, says Dr. Christie. The number of deaths from hurricanes in any drought or severe weather has fallen over 95% over the last 100 years. And so people dying from these natural disasters or you think drought, severe weather, the number of people dying is actually going down. And so I think humans are great at adaptation. We're great at being flexible. And so I think a lot of our focus, instead of climate change panic, now I know there will be lots of thoughts on that. Some people will say the climate isn't changing. Some people will say the climate is changing, but really not that much. And then you have on the other side, oh, the climate's changing a bunch. Humans are responsible. We need to change everything about our lives. That's more of the panicky side. I think if we're going to talk climate change, one good area to talk about is adaptation and flexibility. Well, let's just make sure, you know, we have good infrastructure to account for weather, tornadoes and hurricanes. Let's make sure we have good resources, good technology to detect these things. Um, let's see, at the very bottom of the article, it says, weather experts in Alabama say the only thing people can do is stay informed and have multiple ways to get weather information and warnings, uh, weather radios, weather apps, and local news coverage are great ways to get alerts. The state also has polygon-based outdoor weather sirens. If you hear the siren, you are in the weather warning polygon. So we want to, uh, what, what's it that uh, Span says, uh, respect the polygon. We want to make sure to do that. So I think that's where our focus really should be, in my opinion. Uh, regardless of your thoughts on climate changing, uh, wherever you fall on that, I think humans are very flexible, very adaptable. Let's make sure we're ready for whatever happens. We're informed. We're educated. We don't panic. We don't fall prey to, uh, and I hate using the word misinformation because people say that a lot. But uh, yeah, we want to just be careful.
don't uh, don't come to uh, we don't want to get too extreme in either direction we want to make sure that we are calm cool and collected uh, well friends that uh, that was a part of the first hour I'm so glad y'all could join us we have so much more from five to six and six to seven it's a two-hour show glad to have you we are uh, priority talk radio I'm your host Nate Williams I will see you on the other side don't go anywhere hey hey welcome back to priority talk radio I'm your host Nate Williams it's so glad to, I'm so happy to talk with you tonight. I have Stuart with me. Our producer does a great job making sure things are rolling smoothly. Greg Davis is out. He's traveling tonight, but he will be back real soon. And so, uh, yeah, we have a good slate of topics for you. It is a Wednesday night. We are in our first hour from 5 to 6, and then we'll have our second hour, 6 to 7. And so uh, it's just, uh, we're having fun, I think. Uh, Stuart, how are you doing? Doing great, doing good. Man, that is that is great. It's well, Wednesday night, a lot of people heading to church, and so uh, we love community. We do. It is good to meet together, to worship together, and uh, yeah, we'll actually be talking about community a little bit later on in the show, how important it is, but yeah, for those of you driving home, uh, it can it can get tricky out there. Maybe it was raining where you're at, so be careful. Drive safely. It's a, it's a mean world, and even you have a lot of bad drivers out there, but also even a lot of good drivers can slip up from time to time, so just be careful. Y'all drive safe coming home from work going to church, going to wherever you're going, y'all just take your time. But anyways, enough of that. Y'all don't need my driving advice. You've been doing it a while. So uh, yeah, y'all make sure to check out our app, uh, our uh, podcast app, Priority Talk. So if you miss a part of this conversation, you can listen to it later on your own time. And yeah, so we will uh, continue with our topic. So in the first section of the first hour, uh, we talked a little bit about Hurricane Ian and a little bit of uh, climate change. And so what I'll go into now is talk talking about uh, what does the Bible have to say about us taking care of nature? You know, and I have to say taking care of nature was one of the primary reasons uh, God made us. It was one of the first commands. Let's see, in Genesis chapter 2, we have, uh, let's see if I can find it. There we go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man, so that would be Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so then after that, you get to, you know, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And that next verse gets more publicity, I'm not going to lie. It seems to many to be more interesting. But I'm going to zoom in on verse 15. Uh, That's uh, before those things. And it says, we are put on earth, humanity is put on earth to uh, work it and keep it. And I am no Hebrew scholar, so I want to say that right now. I do. So I'm just, uh, I'm going to be careful here. Uh, But when it says, and keep it, there's a certain Hebrew word that's used. uh, I think it is... uh, 
Shamer or Shamar. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. I, I can see my Hebrew professors from Beeson just shaking their heads at how sorry I've gotten with my Hebrew. So yeah, if you're out there, uh, Dr. Matthews and others, I'm I'm sorry. I don't don't mean to uh, put you to uh, make you feel ashamed of me. But anyways. Uh, Part of the synonyms of keep it, you know, a couple synonyms, oh, I said synonyms, anyways, uh, it, it means to guard or to watch over, right? To guard, to watch over, keep it, and so those are synonyms for it. And so there I go, I'm getting all mixed up again with my language, but we need to watch over nature, and so I think, as I say, there's a balance there. There's a balance there. So we want to take care of God's creation. We want to enjoy it. We want to take care of the trees, the plants, the animals. But at the same time, we don't want to worship nature. And sometimes that's what those who are more fanatical with climate change, that's sometimes the direction that they go in. It's not just enough to take good care of nature, which we are to do. It is biblical. It is godly. It's one of the reasons why we were put on earth. So we want to do that. But what happens is for a lot of people, climate change and issues of global warming, it becomes its own religion of sorts. There is an apocalypse coming up soon, and we have to do everything we can, even if it's momentarily in the short term very destructive to humans, but we have to do everything we can to avoid the coming apocalypse of uh, rising sea levels and uh, I don't know what else is out there, asteroids hitting the earth, you know, too much gas, of certain gases in the air, the everything becoming a desert everywhere. You, you get the picture. You, you get what I'm trying to get at. That's the apocalypse where everyone dies. And then in order to avoid the apocalypse, we have to, uh, you know, uh, do certain things, do certain rituals, uh, you know, take certain measures that can potentially be very harmful to people. And so, uh, you know, there's that kind of, it becomes its own religion where you have a savior, which is uh, the uh, these climate change fanatics. You must listen to them. You have to give all the power to these people to make policy and the government, the UN, whatever it might be. And uh, you just, uh, in order to be a faithful believer, you must listen to them and everything they say. And uh, yeah, we're seeing some of the effects there. I won't get into Russia, Ukraine, the European energy crisis and things like that. What happens when you have bad energy policy and, uh, you know, you get certain aspects of politics there that I won't go in, but it can be very destructive when you hamstring yourself in order to try to attain this future utopia where the apocalypse is averted. And so we as Christians want to walk a good middle ground. We don't worship at the altar of climate religion. However, we do want to also, uh, take care of nature, right? So we do care about, you know, plastic in the ocean. 
We do care about some of the smog and the muck that can be in the air. Why? Well, that honors God. God wants uh, to, us to make sure that uh, every, everything's going okay. And so uh, there's, that, there's that middle ground. And so my encouragement to y'all is don't get caught up in the panic. It often happens after hurricanes and tornadoes. It often happens after tsunamis and earthquakes. You get the, you get using, continuing this prophetic prophet religious language. You get your prophets that come out and make predictions. I'm thinking like Al Gore and others. That's like, man, if the sea levels keep rising, you know, this, that, the other. And then you have people like Bill Gates. I think this was him. He, he's on this train that goes in that direction, talking about sea levels rising, and then he'll go buy a mansion on the coast. So obviously he's not too concerned. Um, you'll have your celebrities that'll, uh, they have more of a carbon footprint than any of us with their their private jets and traveling all over the world. I'm thinking of like Leonardo DiCaprio, if I'm saying his name correctly. You know, they'll, they'll, the celebrities, the actors will lecture us on how we need to buy electric cars, and uh, while they have a massive carbon footprint, so don't don't get caught up in that stuff. That's my encouragement to you. But also, uh, just look at what you're doing. Look at what you're buying. We want to be conscientious consumers. And so sometimes what happens if you're on the right is you go in the opposite direction. You, you hear all the climate crazies, and you're like, oh, man, they're wild. And then you go even further in the opposite direction, and you're like, I'm going to be super destructive, and I'm going to consume all the gas and oil. Well, let's maybe not do that as well, right? Go in the middle, because uh, God... And verse 15, this is Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so those are some of my thoughts that, uh, you know, in a, we also are to be fruitful and multiply. That's another one. Uh, let's see. That's in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 28. Let's see. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, unfortunately, sometimes that word dominion has been misused. And we as humans think like, man, I'm going to I'm going to kill all the animals and abuse all the land because I'm going to have dominion over nature. No, that's not what dominion means. Dominion, remember, this is all in the context of uh, God's relationship to nature and to humans. We are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing, the way that God has dominion over us. And so that doesn't mean we are to be destructive. But that means we are to, as God takes care of us and has dominion over us, but as a loving father, as a king that takes care of his subjects, that's how we're supposed to have dominion over the earth. That's how we're supposed to um, live and be in the midst of our kingdom, if you will. It's how God is, uh, how God takes care of us. Though so that's the way I think about it. So if anyone ever accuses it, and there have been people like this, uh, there have been people that say, oh, look, this allows for abuse. No, what you say to that is simply, we have dominion over nature the way God has dominion over us. God loves us, therefore we are to 
love nature as well and take care of it as best we can in the model that God provides for us. Uh, well, friends, those are some of my thoughts. And so we have a lot more coming on after the break. A lot, a lot of good stuff we'll talk about. We have some uh, really sad uh, drug news with fentanyl, drug statistics. We'll talk about the need for family. We're going to talk about uh, guns, crime, gangs, and why we need community and fathers in the home. That'll fill out the rest of this first hour. I'm so glad y'all could join us and listen in. It's me and Stuart. This is uh, WXJC radio priority talk i'm your host nate williams uh, don't go anywhere we'll be back after the break the uab football season is in full swing and tickets are on sale now to see your blazers in action at protective stadium visit uabsports.com to grab your tickets and stay updated on all of the latest information about upcoming games great promotions and deals for the whole family single game tickets start at just 20 dollars. grab your seats today at uabsports.com don't miss a minute of the action. UAB Blazer football tickets on sale now at UABSports.com. UAB football, win is one. And welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I'm with Stuart, our producer. Greg Davis is out at the moment. He's traveling, but he will be back real soon. So I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to be able to talk with you on this Wednesday night, the first hour here on WXJC Radio. And so we will continue our conversation. In the first section of the hour, we talked a little bit about Hurricane Ian and uh, climate change. And then in the next section, right before the break, we talked about uh, a little bit about our uh, priorities as uh, Christians, as humans on the earth. Why did God put us here? Well, part of the reason is to take care of nature, to look after it. And so we don't want to go overboard. We don't want to create a climate change religion with its own fanaticism like we see. We don't want to go that far. But we do want to be conscientious of how we uh, how we interact with nature, how we enjoy it. We want to do it responsibly in a way that glorifies God. And so now for this uh, second half of the hour, uh, let's see, what are we talking about now? Well, there is this story uh, from Alabama.com that really made me sad, and I want to talk about it with you. Maybe y'all can, y'all can help me out here, but it goes something along the lines of this. Uh, this is the title. Alabama doctors warn of increased youth exposures to fentanyl and opioids. This is by... Uh, let's see, Savannah Fernandez, there we are. And so Dr. Rebecca Savage, this is now in the article, uh, says this, we are losing way too many kids. Savage said many of her young patients are coming in with accidental fentanyl exposure, meaning they took a drug that was unknowingly laced with fentanyl. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, illicit fentanyl is up to 100 times more potent than morphine and many times that of heroin. And so I just want to pause there and just talk about how, how sad this is, that uh, people are taking various drugs, thinking that it's something else, and then it's laced with fentanyl, 
and then people are dying of it and it's it's terrible according to the alabama state department of education naloxone i probably butchered that pronunciation but that's okay a medicine that can rapidly treat overdoses in emergency situations and is administered uh, nasally has been administered 15 times in schools in the first two months of this year and so about 90% of high schools keep this drug on campus to uh, keep, keep this medicine on campus in order to help with that. And so uh, let's see, uh, Alabama experienced a 16% increase in drug overdose deaths between April 2021 and April 2022. And that's considerably higher than the national average of 7%. Yeah, national average of 7% during that same time period. And uh, continuing on in the article, it's not only opioids and pain pills like Percocet or Oxycontin that doctors are seeing laced with the fentanyl, which can cause respiratory distress and death when taken in high doses, but they all have also been seeing patients coming in with fentanyl exposure from drugs like Xanax and marijuana for the first time. And so what's happened is uh, people are taking these other drugs, uh, whether good or bad, or whether it's uh, you know legal or illegal, whatever it might be, and they're being, uh, those drugs are laced with fentanyl and it's killing people. And so this this is really, really horrible, and I want y'all just to be aware of that. Just uh, we need to know where certain things are coming from. Obviously, you don't want to take harmful drugs, uh, drugs that'll that'll hurt you, and so our youth needs to be aware of that. But uh, it's really it's getting in our schools. It is uh, getting in our schools. Uh, nearly uh, twenty-two percent of Alabama students. Uh, said that they took prescription pain medicine without a prescription, according to the state's 2019 Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And so uh, not just with fentanyl, but uh, pain medicine people are uh, using that shouldn't be on pain medicine. There's overdoses in, in this. And, and so we just really need to be aware of it and uh, talk to our students about it. So if you're a pastor or a youth pastor, let let kids know let teens know as is age appropriate okay so you know obviously have age appropriate conversations but it's really spiking all over the country and it's in our alabama schools so it's something to be aware of have conversations on and that leads us to kind of a a broader conversation so we're talking drugs and uh, drug statistics um well with alcohol yeah, let's see this comes from drugabusestatistics.org uh alcohol abuse there's a uh, alcohol kills over nine 95,000 Americans every year. A lot of uh, addictive behavior um, out, out there. So let's see, uh, people are uh, abusing Adderall, you know, and so that can be a prescribed st uh, stimulant. And so let's see what else. Uh, uh, narcotic abuse. Uh, a lot of people are overdosing, a lot of uh, drug-related deaths. Over 70,000 drug overdose deaths occur in the U.S. annually. That is heartbreaking. Uh, let's see. From 2012 to 2015, the U.S. saw a 264% increase in synthetic opioid uh, other than methadone deaths. So synthetic opioid deaths have skyrocketed. 
And I think what we're seeing here, and this will uh, carry us through for the rest of this first hour on the show, what we're seeing is a lot of addictive behaviors. We're talking drug addictions, alcohol, uh, pornography, gambling, whatever it is. Uh, People are trying to escape reality by going to uh, by going to these addictive behaviors and uh, it's really sad and and the church needs to speak out but not just speak out in a way saying these are bad right because anyone can do that but offer an alternative life offer a a, a way of life that is healthier more fulfilling uh, satisfying to the soul and that's obviously our uh, relationship with god right we want to make sure that we talk about that we we share the gospel um and so one of the ways that we can encourage helpful um, healthy behavior in the culture is, uh, you know, talking about the family, how we need fathers in the home. You know, that's a conversation many people don't want to have, and that's fathers in the home. You know, there's a lot of fatherlessness out there. And so I was looking at a crisis magazine, and there's a report that says, really, um, it's hard to get, like, exact numbers, but the vast majority of, uh, of shootings, like mass shootings, let's see, I want to... Uh, say this correctly but that yeah vast majority uh, a vast majority of mass shootings happen with people in in a broken home with people oftentimes without a father and so uh, that's uh, that's not good and uh, there's there's a connection between violence and broken homes and that connection's pretty clear and so uh, going to uh, America First Policy Institute. I have some more statistics to share with you. And so, uh, let's see. There are over 18 million children in the United States that live without a biological father, stepfather, or adoptive father present in the home. Over 18 million. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Fatherless children are more likely to suffer from psychosocial development issues, live in poverty, drop out of school, engage in school violence, etc., 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 etc. Let's see. Uh, Approximately 41% of children are born to unwed mothers. Uh, Let's see. 63% of youth suicide victims are from fatherless homes. Uh, 80% of uh, rapists come from fatherless homes. And so, you know, there's some really discouraging statistics out there. You can look it up at the America First Policy Institute. They have a page with all these, and I'm just uh, citing some of them. And we need to know that uh, fathers in the home, y'all matter out there. If you're a father listening in, you are so important. I've talked to dads that are just like, man, I'm not having an impact. My kids don't listen to me. My teens don't like me. And I've known some some fathers that are thinking about leaving. They're like, man, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought it would be. And my plea to you is that stay involved. 
get better because obviously no one's perfect so get better as a father keep your word stay stay in the good fight your children need you your children need you um the 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 family unit is so important and then on top of that you know and we'll talk about this on the other side of the break to uh finish out the hour uh on top of that we need churches uh we need churches they're important also we need a social organizations, institutions. I'm thinking of like volunteer firefighting. I'm thinking of the local bowling league. I have an interesting article on that one. We are, our social fabric isn't what it used to be. And so we need the family unit strong and healthy. We need the, uh, let's see, churches to be strong and healthy with active men and women who love God, love each other. Uh, we need people involved in civic institutions. You know, you think about get out and vote. We're thinking volunteering at soup kitchens and food pantries and firefighting and all this stuff. We need a healthy social fabric that we've gotten away from in modern times. And so that's part of the problem is everyone's so disconnected from each other with social media and our, our internet capabilities, which are pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. But what's happened is we don't feel the need for one another, you know, to lean on one another. And so we kind of become self-reliant. Uh, well, friends, we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I will talk to you in a moment. Don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, we are back. This is WXJC Radio Priority Talk. I am Nate Williams with you today. Stuart's in the studio uh, holding things down. Uh, Greg Davis is out traveling, but like I've been saying this hour, he'll be back real soon. And so, uh, yeah, it's us. So y'all make sure to follow us on social media at Priority Talk. Uh, Stay up to date on all the cool things that are going on. Uh, Check out our uh, podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple, Spotify, elsewhere. Yes, uh, it's good. If you've missed something, you don't have to miss it. Don't miss out. Go back and listen to all the good stuff we've been talking about. So we're heading towards the end of this first hour, and uh, we talked about Hurricane Ian, climate change, how Christians are responsibility to nature, and why God put us on Earth. And then we talked about a little bit of you know some unfortunate uh, drug statistics and crime statistics and the need for healthy families. And so uh, to finish out the hour, we're going to keep talking about that. And so, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about civic institutions, right? How uh, we've been heading away from community in recent times. And what this is called is atomistic individualism. It's, uh, you know, you could kind of summarize it as I am me, hear me roar, I can be whoever I want to be, I can do whatever I want to do, I can create meaning in my life. That's a little bit of, if you're into philosophy, existentialism right there, Jean-Paul Sartre and uh, Albert Camus and some others, Uh, you know, I can make my life meaningful however I want to, me, 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 me. Well, what happens with that is it sounds good for a time, that all we need is, uh, well, all I need is myself. And, and, you know, it sounds great on social media. Wow, that person's so big and strong. But what ends up happening is we get isolated. 
We don't have anyone to lean on because in our minds, we don't need anyone. And God forbid other people tell us that we're wrong. We don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear the church tell me that I'm uh, engaged in sinful behavior. I don't want to be a part of, I don't know, the military that tells me I need to get in shape. I don't want to be a part of this, that, the other. Anyone that tells me that I could possibly be wrong. And so we exist on our own, by ourselves, uh, just uh, spouting off on social media about how great we are. And it turns out that we get lonely. We get lonely. Lots of Americans are lonely. We hide behind our screens and our phones. We watch our Netflix and and we we binge watch our TV shows and, and we get isolated. And then we get depressed. We get anxious because all you have is your phone. All you hear about is the worst case scenario about how everyone's going to die. Everything's going to get worse and climate change this and nuclear that and uh, Republican Party, Democrat Party this. They're going to you know come after you, yada, yada, yada. And we get scared, lonely, anxious, depressed. And so as the church, we want to make sure, as Christians in the church, that we provide an attractive alternative to that. That when people see us, they see our love for one another. They see the way we serve. Like, wow, there's something about those Christians. They love the homeless. They love the hurting, the the mentally ill, those who are in jails and prisons, those in soup kitchens and food pantries, those who don't have anyone else, those who have been divorced, those who have been suffering from this, that, the other. Wow, the church is loving those people. I want to be a part of that. And so for this next section, as we close out the hour, I'm going to be talking about a healthy church. Like, what makes a church healthy? You know, maybe some of you are between churches and and you're wondering, all right, what do I look for? What are some of the marks of a healthy church? And so I'm going to start with some of those marks. And uh, the first one is the preaching of the whole word of God. If you are uh, the type of church, you know, that's like, oh, I'm going to make Christianity all pretty. I'm just going to only talk about the nice fluffy parts. Uh, You might get a lot of people because it sounds good and it's what people want to hear, but you're neglecting to preach the whole word, the whole Bible. So we are to preach the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what we're supposed to do. Paul, you know, encourages Timothy and Titus to stay strong with their doctrine in the pastoral epistles, you know, first and second Timothy and Titus. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. Preach the whole word. Preach it all. Preach it well. Preach it with excellence. Be be don't be ashamed of it. Stand strong. So the so ask yourself if you're going to a church or if you are looking for a church and you let's say you're visiting, does my church or does this church preach the whole word? Then after that, you know, obviously we want to uh, go to churches that are active with uh, communion and baptism, right? We want to uh, remember Jesus through the Lord's Supper to celebrate, 
you know, everything God has done for us to remember, meditate on, grieve with, mourn, you know, mourning and celebrating goes hand to hand, hand in hand there. Also baptism. Uh, we want to be a part of a church that baptizes, right? And that celebrates that, uh, you know, that is a public proclamation of our faith in Jesus. We are unashamed. We are buried with Christ and we uh, we are alive in Christ. God has made us alive. It's a beautiful thing. So does your church practice communion and uh, baptism? So we want to make sure that we're a part of a church that does that. And then this ties in with what we were talking about before, but serving. You know, there is a passage in Acts chapter 6 where the church had to, uh, let me go to that, Acts chapter 6, where the church had some issues. And I'll read it. This is uh, starting in verse 1, the book of Acts. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, so the church is growing, there are more Christians, this is wonderful, going back to the book, uh, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from uh, from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And then going on, do, 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 uh, let's see. And then verse seven. So as this issue is being taken care of and they're loving the widows, uh, going down to verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so the church is growing. People are believing in Jesus and the church is also serving the community. So uh, we want to have a great commission mindset. So we want to take care as a church, we want to take care of people's physical needs. So you want to hand out coats, you want to hand out gloves, meals, we want to pay for people's food. That's all wonderful. We want to help people go to school. We want to hand out Bibles, all all of those things. We want to do all those things. And as we're doing them, we also want to have a great commission mindset, not just take care of someone's body, but also feed their soul. So we want to evangelize. And so another question to ask is, uh, how healthy is your church when it comes to serving? We don't want churches to just be in words, you know, kind of like a country club, right? You go to church, you have a good time, you have fun, you hang out with your broskies and your sisters. I don't know how to, broskies, siskies doesn't really have the same ring to it, but whatever. Brothers and sisters, have a good time, you know, get entertained, have a funny sermon, this, that, the other. So it's not just that, because sure, you go to, when you're a part of a local church, there will be good times and you will have fun, but ultimately some of the deeper things that we're a part of, you know, preaching the word, communion and baptism, serving and evangelizing, we want to make sure, uh, our churches are healthy in that area. Another mark of a healthy church is a leadership structure. I'm not one of those that says, you know, necessarily one size fits all. You have small churches, medium churches, large churches, large churches, if I could say that correctly. English is tough sometimes. You know, you have people in different situations, different maturity levels, but You want to be careful with leadership structure. You want to make sure there's financial accountability, 
You want to make sure there's spiritual accountability, emotional accountability. You want the pastors, elders, deacons, uh, bishops, whatever it might be, the denomination you're a part of. You want to make sure that things are done well. We are above reproach. There is transparency and honesty because churches will get in trouble. Y'all have heard the, heard the stories just like I have of churches, uh, let's just say, not exactly being honest with various things, whether it's a leadership decision money decisions, staff decisions, whatever it is, and then oftentimes that doesn't end well, and it can get quite ugly. So that's the mark of a healthy church is a good, healthy leadership structure. I'm going to kind of be vague because people will have a lot of different thoughts on that, how exactly it should be, but uh, yeah, those are just some of my thoughts, that we want to be a healthy church so that, number one, first and foremost, we glorify God by, with all that we say and all that we do, so that's number one. We want to worship God fully in spirit and truth, and then also we want to be a light to those around us so they see our community in a disintegrating world where everyone's by themselves, everyone's doing their own thing, and they see a family that loves each other, and they're like, man, I want that. That's great. And so uh, we want to definitely do that, have a healthy church. Well, friends, that is the end. Uh, this is the end of the first hour. We talked a lot of, about a lot of good stuff. Y'all don't go anywhere because in the second hour from six to seven, we have a lot of good things coming up. And so uh, I'm going to continue to talk about the church. I'm going to talk about being a, a consumer Christian, how we want to avoid that. We want to be a healthy Christian instead. And then uh, to finish out from six to seven, we will play a conversation that Greg Davis had with Joe Dallas on his book, Christians in a Cancel Culture. So y'all don't want to miss the second hour. Don't go anywhere. This is WXJC Radio, Priority Talk. I am Nate Williams. I will see you on the other side of this break. Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. And welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We are now in the second hour and we're having a good time talking about a lot of good stuff. I'm with Stuart. Uh, Stuart, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. Waking up to the sound of rain was pretty nice. Man, that's wild, isn't it? And I was uh -huh. saying in the first hour, like, I, it's been a while since I've seen rain. When, when do you think the last time it, it rained here in Bama? It had to have been like three or four weeks ago. That's what it feels like. 
Man, that's ages ago. Goodness. But yeah, we, we had some rain today. Hallelujah. And so God has blessed us. We are thankful. And uh, yeah, so great, great weather recently. Not, not just good weather the way you might think of, you know, 70s and sunny. But then when you need rain and you get rain, well, that's good weather too. Uh, Greg Davis is out traveling. And so yeah, we're, we're talking and uh, y'all have me for tonight. And so we talked about a lot of good stuff in that first hour. If you missed it, just know that you don't have to. We have a Priority Talk podcast. Make sure to check it out. We talked about Hurricane Ian, climate change, religion, uh, how is, you know, as people on this earth put here by God, we're also supposed to take care of nature. And then we talked about community, the social fabric, uh, let's see, healthy churches. That was all in the first hour. That's pretty cool stuff. You don't want to miss it. So make sure if you did, make sure to go back and check it out on the podcast. But what are we talking about now? Well, that's a great question. I am so glad you asked. And so uh, before the break, we talked about a healthy church. What are, what are the marks of a healthy church? A healthy church preaches the whole word. Amen. A healthy church, uh, you know, practices what's called in some circles the sacraments or the ordinances. You have communion. You have the Lord's Supper. Uh, a healthy church is serving and active in the community, uh, serving and active in, in its own church circle, right? You want to take care of your members. Then also a healthy church has a great commission mindset of evangelism, y'all. We want to take care of people's bodies, yes, feeding them clothing those who don't have clothes, uh, you know, uh, all, all those things, medicine and uh, education. Yes, all of those are great. But above all, we want to take care of people's souls. So we want to make sure to evangelize. A healthy church does that. And then let's see, we also talked about leadership structure. Y'all, how many times have we seen churches implode? They were doing such incredible things for the Lord, but something was there with the leadership structure. There was a power imbalance or not enough transparency, whatever it might have been. And then churches fall or leaders have scandals. And so we want to make sure we have healthy leadership structures. We want to make sure, and I talked about this you know, a little bit ago. It wasn't today, but in past shows about pastors who are burned out and, and struggling. We want to make sure we have healthy pastors as best we can. And so, yeah, lots and lots of good stuff. But I'm not going to stop there because sometimes, and I've been guilty too, I often say this when I preach, uh, you know, I often say this, that uh, we like to blame churches or we like to blame other people. But before we do that, we want to make sure that we are pointing the finger at ourselves as well when it comes to blame. And so we might look at a church and we're like, man, it's not that healthy. Or, oh, I don't like this church. This, this, that, me, 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 me. And I get it. Churches aren't going to be perfect. I know. I know. I've heard the stories. I'm with you. I commiserate with you. Churches do things wrong all the time. And they hurt people. Maybe they've hurt you. But also, we got to take some of the blame ourselves. Sometimes we complain in our churches, and then when we're asked, hey, 
Do you want to get involved? Hey, do you want to help being part of the solution instead of just pointing out the problem? We're like, no, no, not me. Someone else can do it. Someone else can serve. Someone else can volunteer. And then the blame isn't on us, right? Because we didn't create the problem. Friends, let's be better. Let's be better. It's so easy to complain about churches. You complain about your home church, or maybe you're looking for churches, and, and you're probably right in what you're saying. But God put us on earth for a reason. So be a part of the solution. So for example, if you're in your church and you don't like something about the youth ministry, well, have you thought about being a youth group leader? You know, uh, maybe you're at your church and you don't like something in the worship music or the worship band. Have you thought about, you know, learning an instrument or if you know an instrument, getting involved? It's so easy to blame others. And so I've talked with pastors, a lot of them, and they get frustrated about this. They know their churches are flawed. They get it. Churches are made of people, and people can be the worst. And, and uh, I, well, yeah, we all get that. But what happens is sometimes we're content to just grumble and complain. So if that's you tonight, and I'm, again, I'm pointing the finger at myself. I know. I've done it too. But if that's you tonight, let's let's be better. Let's let's try something different. Let's try to be a part of the solution. Because believe it or not, believe it or not, uh, your your elders, your leaders, your pastors, your staff members, you know, for the most part, they're trying. They're trying, and so we want to definitely give them grace. Give them forgiveness and uh, and love them as Christ has loved us. But also, uh, let's let's get our rear ends off the couch. You know, it's so easy to point, but it's harder to get down and dirty and and start making things better. And so, as Christians, we want to do that because y'all. Uh, and we'll talk about this more as this uh, second hour goes on. Like uh, so many people don't get involved in church, and they become consumer Christians, right? We don't want to be a consumer Christian. And, and what is a consumer Christian, you ask? Well, um, I'm glad you asked. A consumer Christian treats church like a restaurant. So imagine it is, uh, it's a Wednesday night now, so let's just use another day. It's a, it's a Friday night. And you're looking good. You got all your clothes on. You're with your your uh, significant other. Y'all are looking good. You're excited. And what do you do? Well, you start talking about restaurants. Okay, what restaurant should we go to? What kind of food are we feeling? What are we wanting? What's going to be, you know, how long are we willing to wait? You know, this, that, the other. What about past experiences? Because let's say you have a restaurant that's right next to you, but you just had bad experiences with them. What you'll do is oftentimes you'll skip that restaurant. You'll go somewhere else. And uh, that makes sense when it comes to consuming food. You are a consumer of food, and so therefore, you can be quite picky and get what you want. But we take that same consumer mentality, and we take it, and we apply it to our faith. We look at churches like we look at restaurants. Hey, what can you offer me? 
Do you got the flashy preacher with the funny sermons that could have their own Netflix special because they're so funny? Do you got the, the lasers, the smoke machines if you're into that? Do you have the awesome singers and the great musicians? What about the youth ministry? Do you all have a great youth ministry, children's ministry? Um, do you all have this service ministry, that, that group, this group, this opportunity, that opportunity? And we start to treat the church like we do food. And if that church ain't giving me exactly what I want, then we gone. We out of here because, uh, no, uh-uh. We, we are, God forbid, we sit through a boring sermon once every while. Or God forbid that, you know, um, let's say a youth ministry be a certain size or whatever it might be. We all have our own ones. And again, I, I point out the flaw myself. I've done this too. Let's not be consumer Christians asking, you know, oh, how can a church fit all my needs? Um, and and I, I've done it too. I get it because uh, you, you do want a church to have various ministries. Okay, I, I get that. You do want sermons to be interesting. That makes sense. You know, some, sometimes we struggle through sermons and uh, maybe we didn't get enough sleep. Maybe a pastor didn't put a whole lot of preparation in and it shows. I don't know. Lots of different nuances there, uh, various details. But sometimes that just describes our whole soul. And we're like, oh man, I need a church to be everything. Otherwise, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to give that church my money, my time. I'm not going to, you know, and, and I just say, y'all, we, we got to grow up a little bit. You know, it's not, the church is not an arcade to entertain us. The church is not Chuck E. Cheese to, to keep our kids entertained. The church exists as, you know, as a way of glorifying God. You know, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. So first and foremost, the church exists for worship. We want to worship our God. We want to hear the word. We want to be transformed to be like Jesus. And also, we want to serve those around us. We want to uh, minister. We want to, uh, all, all those good things that I talked about a little bit before with the healthy church. And so, uh, yeah, we'll talk about uh, more about this on the other side of the break, but I would encourage us to just uh, let's let's do better there. Don't be a consumer Christian. Get involved. Get active. What can you do to help make church a better place for those around you and for you to help the church glorify God even more? And so that's the mindset that we are supposed to have. Y'all don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about, you know, the spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about, you know, how to serve, what to look for when we're serving in church. And so it's going to be a great conversation, y'all. This is the second hour of our two-hour show. This is WXJC Radio Priority talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, friends. So glad to have you. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams, and uh, we're just having a lot of fun talking about some good stuff. I hope y'all are driving safe. Maybe you're heading to church, whatever it is you might be doing. Y'all stay safe out there. Roads can be tricky. Drivers can be tough, but uh, yeah, let's take our time. And so, uh, yeah, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff in the first hour and into the second hour that we're on now. Um, a lot of good things 
things about the news and about our faith. We talked about Hurricane Ian and, uh, let's see, climate change. We talked about our role as people on this earth to take care of nature. We talked about what a healthy church looks like and how not to be a consumer Christian. And so in this next part of the hour, heading to uh, 6.30, uh, we're going to keep that conversation going. And then once we hit 6.30, y'all still don't go anywhere. We're going to play a conversation Greg Davis had with Joe Dallas and his book, Christians in a Cancel Culture. How needed is that topic right now? With everyone getting canceled, or everyone, I guess, people are trying to get um, other people canceled, whatever it might be, y'all listen into that conversation. Uh, it's it's a good one. So don't go anywhere. Um, and so, yeah, so let's talk more about healthy churches, being active Christians, and uh, we'll keep that conversation going. Now, people will ask me, they will say, Nate, I, I don't know what my gifts are. You're saying to serve. You're saying to be a part of the church, but how? What, what do I do? I don't, I don't know what to do. And so you may have heard of the spiritual gifts that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We have gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we use these gifts to serve one another, to serve the church for the glory of God. Maybe you've heard of those things, and you're wondering, well, uh, what gifts do I have? And so I'll answer that one just real quick. How do you know what gifts you have? Here's how you know. One, you study the passages that talk about the gifts. So you think 1 Corinthians 12, 14, there's uh, passages in Ephesians and Romans, etc., etc. So you study about, you study them, you pray to God about them, that God would show you, and then also you ask. Ask those around you that know you well. Ask Christians and be like, hey, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how I should serve in the church, uh, what what gifts do you think I have? And I bet the more mature believers that you'll talk to would love to have that conversation with you. And so that's how I would go about that. But even if you don't know your giftings, you know, even if you don't know exactly uh, what you're called to do, uh, y'all just serve where there's an opening. If you're at church and you have some time and you're able to, and there's an opening in children's ministry, hop in at least for a little bit. If your youth group needs a youth leader, go try it for a little bit, and maybe that's not your cup of tea. That's okay. You don't have to do all things. You know, you don't have to do absolutely everything from tech ministry to music to preaching to, to youth ministry to children's ministry to cleaning up to... There's so many ways to serve. You don't have to do it all. That's kind of superhuman. But um, but just if, if your church has a need, try to fill it if, if you can, if you feel like you should. Don't let, you know, oh, uh, let's take evangelism, right? People will often say this. Well, I just, I'm not good at talking to people. I'm not just, I'll leave evangelism to all the, all the extroverted ones, the people that can talk to strangers. Evangelism can be their thing because it's not mine. I just don't agree with that. If there's an opening, go for it. Maybe you do great. Maybe you don't do as smoothly as you would like to do. That's okay. You are worshiping your Savior. And God 
God loves faithfulness. Sometimes execution's not always going to be there. Like I've preached a lot of sermons. I used to lead a worship band back in the day for my youth ministry. And y'all, let me tell you how many times I messed up. But what we try to do is to be faithful to the opportunities that are given to us. And so that's what I would say. Don't, don't let, oh, I'm putting these in air quotes. You can't see it because it's the radio, but I'm doing air quotes. I'm not gifted in certain areas, so I won't serve in those areas. I just don't like it. I, I think it smells like an excuse. But I do think as we grow in our faith that, yes, you do want to lean into your giftings because that's where I think you'll produce the most fruit. But that's just what I would say. So I'm going to read a little bit of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for you. Uh, this is from Paul, and I'm going to start in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so all that is, I'm going to summarize real quickly, but uh, we are all part of the body of Christ. And just as any body, there are different body parts that serve different functions. And so, y'all, every one of you listening, y'all have a reason and a purpose in the church. You're not you know, by yourself off there, like, man, I, I can't do anything for Jesus. I can't help the church in any way. I'm not gifted. Well, let's not call God a liar. God has gifted you in special ways to bless the church. And y'all, y'all make sure you know that, that uh, all of us together can do what God has called us to do. We're all different body parts that do special things. And then uh, if you're going down uh, through verse, uh, let's see, we're in 1 Corinthians 12, if you're just joining us. Let's see, where do I want to start again? Um, I'll start uh, in verse uh, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher 
gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And so in that end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul lists some of the some of the gifts. Now people will disagree, oh, is, are the lists comprehensive, is that all, or maybe there are more, um, whatever they may, might be, uh, but all we know is that the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, and they're all needed, so you, yes, you, you are needed in the church. And so we often think, and this is an unfortunate kind of American Christian-y kind of way of thinking, like, oh, I have my private faith, uh, just me and God, la, la, la. I, mean, I don't need to be a part of church. I don't need to be active because it's just me and God and our little kind of private thing, kind of, you know, how we have health insurance. Well, this is, uh, you know, heaven insurance. It's just for me personally, I get my own uh, Jake from State Farm, a personal policy with Jesus, with its own perks, and I'm going to enjoy it over here. No, friends. You, we were made to be in community. Don't, don't separate yourself from the church because you have a lot to offer for the glory of God. We're not boasting. We're not saying, oh, look how special I am with my incredible gifts that I gave myself. No, they come from the uh, Holy Spirit. You know, gifts of the Spirit, there are lots of them out there, and you have at least one. So when you separate yourself from the church community, you are robbing the body of an eye. Or you're robbing the body of an ear, a nose, a hand, an arm, whatever in this metaphor. And we know a body without certain body parts, it's, it's really rough. Uh, we're not able to uh, do all the things that a body's supposed to do. And so if everyone can speak well and preach well, well, that's great. But who's going to have the faith? Who's going to be generous? Who's going to do this, that, evangelize, prophesy, this, you know, all those things. We, uh, if everyone is, has strong, I don't know, the gift of generosity and, and give so much, well, that's wonderful. But then who's going to teach? Who's going to administrate, et cetera, et cetera. We need a well-rounded church community and you're a part of it so again going back a little bit um you know earlier in the first and the second hour uh, don't be a consumer christian don't treat churches like restaurants where you just go to one that can entertain you and take care of you for a little bit you know we want to not be consumer christians we want to be active healthy christians you know and so we definitely want uh, to talk about that and make sure that we are involved as we should be. Don't blame it all on churches. We have a role to play as well. Uh, well, friends, as we're heading towards another break, y'all don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we're going to play a Greg, da uh, Greg Davis conversation with Joe Dallas uh, on his book, Christians in a Cancel Culture. It is needed. Friends, we live in a cancel culture where if you say the wrong thing, you gone. It's like in baseball. You're out of here, you know, and uh, sometimes you don't even get three strikes. You just gone when you mess up. And so how are we supposed to respond to that? Y'all make sure to, to listen in. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Y'all, this is the second hour. Uh, WXJC Radio Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. 